Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. On tonight's episode, I'm going to be discussing a few topics, um, one pertaining to a book I am currently reading, and then we're going to turn to some video game um, topic discussions, uh, some current releases or some releases that are coming out here within the next week or so, and um, a video game that I've revisited now that it has had an HD remaster. And then I'm going to move into uh, some film reviews, one uh, pertaining to a horror film I found on Amazon Prime uh, streaming, and for last week's uh, Hellboy. Um, but I'm going to get some some little homework out of the way, some little little podcast stuff out of the way here for you first. Um, so as many of you know uh, that follow me on, on Twitter, uh, I took a took a day off, uh, a week off last week, and I had plans to record, but I just had had a really crappy um, work week, and I just did not want to do a podcast without giving you guys my full 100%. Um, and so one thing I think I'm going to do moving forward is three weeks out of the month you guys will get an episode and then one week I'm going to just take off as a kind of decompress and and look at some things that I can fine-tune and maybe uh, improve about the podcast looking into getting a new mic and and some new uh, recording equipment Um, you know stuff that I can do and also have time to watch the movies I've been sent a lot of screeners recently and I just have not had time to really sit down and watch them and be able to review them here on the podcast so um, I want to thank you guys in advance for understanding. Uh, I love doing this, and I love uh, talking about film. And when I have my co-hosts on or when I have roundtable t- discussion like we did with us, it's a really good time. But it also is a little just when having a full-time job is a little um, time-intensive and sometimes can be just a little exhausting or a little stressful um, to sit down and record uh, for you guys and, and trying to make sure that it's it's good stuff for you guys listening um, So again, I want to thank you guys for understanding and, and thank you for still sticking around um, You know, we're still small still growing, but uh, I think Especially with those that follow me on Twitter. Um, you guys seem to be enjoying some of the discussions we have. I know um, I have a co-worker who listened to our us roundtable discussion and Originally, she was not really a fan of the film, but after hearing Cortland and Crystal and I talking about the film and kind of discussing some of the themes and and our own interpretations of what we saw from the movie or how we felt the movie was about, um, she really then gave the film a second thought and, and was actually now eager to revisit the movie. So that's kind of the whole point uh, of this podcast is to kind of maybe bring to light some things that others might have missed or um, maybe others have been able to pick up on but not sure if anyone else has or or even just having different opinions I mean Crystal Cortland and I didn't all agree 100% on certain aspects about the film but we were able to discuss them and we all saw kind of the points and validities each other made and um, Cortland was supposed to join me on tonight's episode, but I think we had a little scheduling conflict. Um, but, you know, he'll be on here more regular. I know we had some sound issues. Uh, he didn't have any 
type of mic or headphone. He was using his computer's internal mic, and uh, so at points his, his audio cut out. But um, we're going to record more in studio um, in the future, so hopefully that will cut down on that issue. Also, if you happen to hear any type of scratching noise, um, that happens to be my cat who is up in a basket he is, knows he's not supposed to be in, and since I'm recording, I can't really yell at him to uh, get down. So um, I apologize for that. And But again, going back to what I was saying about you know our roundtable discussion, this is the point of the podcast. Like I want to be able to have people on. I want to have my co-hosts on on a more regular basis, and we can have these kind of bigger thematic discussions and, and interpretations of the film and, and have more debates about in individual reads on the films. So, I mean, even if it might seem like on certain films, like I, I later on when I talk about Hellboy, if it seems like I'm really ripping on it, it's not that I'm ripping on it for the sake of maybe there were some things I didn't like about it, but there were things that I felt may have been missed opportunities or but it doesn't mean that someone else that views that film doesn't see a different aspect of it that they enjoy more that I might have missed in, in my initial viewing. So um, that seemed to be a very popular episode and uh, I do plan on doing more of them in the future. Uh, I'm sure we will have something for Avengers Endgame uh, next week. You guys will definitely be getting an episode. You might get one a little bit early, uh, but that one will probably also go into spoilers. So. You may want to wait a little bit to listen to it, although, you know, I will announce a spoiler section like I do on, on most episodes or all episodes, uh, you know, so that I'm not uh, willingly or unnecessarily spoiling uh, the film for anybody, because I know that that's a big, highly anticipated uh, Marvel movie, and we we all don't want it spoiled, and I know that there's been stuff going around on social media where some people were trying to spoil it for others. I personally had um, Star Wars The Force Awakens spoiled for me uh, in a comment section of an unrelated post on Facebook of the day I was supposed to go see the movie, and I that really upset me. And there was no point to it. The person deliberately did it to ruin the movie for other people, and I think that that's ridiculous. And I, I try not to spoil uh, deliberately. In fact, that that being spoiled for me ended up leading me to spoil it to uh, Patrick, the uh, occasional co-host on here, uh, in casual conversation. I was talking about the movie, and I was not thinking, and I was thinking I was talking to him, and he had already seen the movie, and, and I had spoiled the, the big spoiler. And uh, fortunately, he forgave me. I mean, he, he didn't get uh, too upset about it. You know, certain things he will get upset when it comes to spoilers, others not so much. So, um, you know, and that was a big issue with the Game of Thrones premiere is, you know, people on social media uh, live tweeting their reactions to the show. And as someone, although I do live in the States and I could watch it as it premieres, I go to bed fairly early because I get up super early in the mornings to work out and then I go into work. So I don't always really get to stay up late, especially on a Sunday night. Uh, to stay up and watch, you know, an hour-long show or with many of the other episodes are going to be like an hour and 20 minutes. I just don't have the time um, to to be able to do that. So, you know, avoiding spoilers is, is really something 
that I have to worry about. I was having a discussion with another Twitter friend, uh, Steve, who lives in the UK, who was asking people to not spoil it for those that live in the UK because they get to see it a day later than us. So, uh, you know, if you're on social media, I think it's fine to to post reactions, but try to keep it as minimal as possible because there are people that follow you that uh, may not have the same opportunity to watch it right when you do. I rarely watch uh, episodes live on any show whatsoever. Um, I primarily wait the next day because, or on the weekends, um, just because there's not enough hours in the day. You know, I'm trying to watch movies. I'm trying to watch other shows, and you know, with Netflix, Hulu, Amazon and you know the dc streaming service and all this other streaming service and we're going to be getting disney plus later this year uh you know it's hard to really find time to be able to watch all the content that's out there and so uh that's one way that i'm able to keep up with current cable shows or you know basic television shows and then um you know keeping up with the shows like netflix uh you know i haven't even gotten a chance to watch part two yet of uh, the chilling adventures of sabrina which is a fantastic Netflix show, just haven't had the time to you know sit down and watch it. Um, I just recently finished watching The Expanse, and I'm now gearing for um, you know season four when that releases on Prime. I'm not sure when I'm going to find time to be able to watch it, but uh, I do plan on it, and I'm really excited for it. Um, okay, well that's that's kind of my soapbox. I'm, I'm going to get off there now. Uh, there's not going to be any more kind of homework section of the uh, podcast, but I just wanted to, you know, let you guys know that occasionally once a month, you know, since I'm recording this on a pretty much a weekly basis, um, I'm going to be taking a week off just to kind of decompress and maybe get stuff together and plan future episodes and future discussions. So, uh, you know, if you, if you notice there's not an episode that week, that's probably why. Um, okay. So, I haven't talked about books yet uh, on the podcast, and uh, I don't know how much I'm actually going to to do this, but I was having a discussion with people at work today about this book I'm currently reading, and and wondering if anyone else has kind of had this reaction while they're while they're reading a book. Um, I can't say I've had it happen all that often, but it, you know, it seems that uh, I don't know. Uh, if anyone has, uh, else has faced this, because like there, a book I was reading previously called My Pet Serial Killer, Fangoria published it. Um, it was getting really, you know, pretty good reviews from people and a lot of people, you know, hyping it up. I read it and I was not a fan. Uh, I wanted to stop reading it, but um, I rarely do not finish books. There are certain books, if I make it 20 pages or maybe two chapters in, and I'm not vibing it, and I'm not feeling it, I, I won't continue those. But that, I can, the many times that I've done that, I can count on one hand. So, I mean, I don't do it all that often. But uh, with my pet serial killer, I kind of, I, I, I powered through it, um, mainly to see how the book ended, and to see if maybe the latter half of the novel kind of redeemed itself for me and it really didn't do it uh it was better in the second half of the book but it overall i was just not a fan it was it was too um you know i don't know exactly what it was too it was just it just didn't do it for me it you know people have made it a kind of akin to 50 shades of gray meets like blood and gore and they probably have the 50 shades of gray stuff right and then maybe that's why I didn't like it is because I don't care 
for Fifty Shades of Grey. I won't watch the movies. I won't read the books. It's just not my type of genre. I mean, it's fine if you like it. I'm not going to criticize you for liking that genre, but I think that's what really didn't uh, really detract it from the book for me. But um, you know, currently I am reading Nosferatu uh, by Joe Hill, son of the great Stephen King. Uh, and that's becoming a, a series on AMC here in June, and I want to have the book finished before the series premieres, obviously. And the book started out kind of slow, and then it really picked up, and I was really kind of chugging through it. And now I've kind of hit a, a, a stopping point, like a, not a, a point where I, uh, I, I was kind of a struggle to sit down there and read the next page. Uh, and I'm only a, a third of the way through the book. It's like a, almost a 700-page book, and I believe I'm about 270 pages in. And all the really interesting and cool things or all the really kind of twisty things have already happened, if you know what I'm saying. Like, when, when you're reading, if you're reading a book and you feel like all the kind of major events have taken place, but you still have, like, 400 pages almost 500 pages left to read your mind wonders where the heck the story is going to go and not that i'm not going to keep up with it but i'm i'm really struggling to kind of find motivation to make sure i'm sitting down and reading as much as possible in a single sitting um and i mean granted i don't know the the greater scheme of the story maybe all this, these parts where i'm feeling kind of like it's at a, at a down level as um and that I can't see anywhere it going anywhere else is going to surprise me and it's all going to make sense by the time I reach the end of the novel. Uh, but it, it's really caused me to hit kind of a stopping point and, I, and it's almost a little bit of a chore to sit down and, and read the book. But, uh, you know, I'm going to continue through it. I don't, like I said, I don't like to not finish books. And there are a lot of aspects about the book that I really like. Um, and I'm really interested to see how they're going to make this into a show. And uh, I know Zachary Quinto is going to be playing Charlie Manx in it, and that's the, the pretty much the bad guy. And he's got like le heavy um, prosthetic makeup to make him look like an old man. And I've, I've seen the, the pictures of it, and it looks fantastic. So, I mean, my criticism it, it, oh, might be invalid by the time I finish the book, but I just don't know if anyone else has kind of kind of hit that uh, moment. So. Uh, if so, you know, let me know in the comments uh, on SoundCloud. Um, oh, that's one other piece of little podcasting work I got to get out of the way for you guys. Um, or, you know, tweet at me or send me an email at criticsnotcynics at gmail.com. And let me know if you've ever had a moment like that. Um, you know, when, when I finish it, I'll probably, I know I'll, I will review it on my Goodreads. Um, and when I uh, finish it, I'll probably review it here on the podcast if you guys are interested in hearing book reviews. Uh, I know this isn't necessarily a book podcast, but uh, it does kind of fit into the grander scheme of pop culture and, and entertainment that, um, you know, I want to do with this show. So um, the other little kind of homework or behind the scenes stuff, uh, currently almost ready to go on iTunes. Um, I've got to do a little bit logo work. Uh, I'm talking with Crystal about maybe um, getting some help with that. And once that is done, Critics Not Cynics will be on iTunes. So if you are a normal iTunes listener and you've not really liked having to go to SoundCloud to listen to the show, uh, that will be remedied here uh, 
I'd say within a week or so. So this episode, in fact, might end up on there. All the back catalog episodes of Critics Not Cynics will also be on there um, for your listening pleasure. So I'm very happy to say that I had figured out what I was not doing right. Uh, it was all user error. It wasn't anything that iTunes was doing. Um, it was just purely may not understanding exactly everything I needed to have selected to be able to upload it to iTunes. So, um, all right. So just some video game talk. This week, of course, today uh, recording is the is Friday the 19th of April. Um, so by the time that this comes out, it'll be the day before the actual release. Mortal Kombat 11 is for this video game. Uh, I have been a huge fan of Mortal Kombat ever since I was a little kid. My sister uh, had rented me the VHS for the 1990s movie uh, back when I was maybe six. I wasn't supposed to watch it. Uh, my parents found out I watched it. They got very upset that I had watched it. Uh, I don't know if my sister had gotten in any trouble for it, but uh, I had always been very fascinated. My favorite characters are Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Uh, I even like the god-awful sequel um, for the movie, uh, and I've played pretty much all of the, the games. If I wasn't playing them in the arcades, I played some of them uh, on, on PS2, uh, definitely on PS1, um, and I've, of the kind of major console eras like PS3 and PS4, I've owned Mortal Kombat 9 and Mortal Kombat 10, so I'm really excited. I've got the collect collector's edition or deluxe edition, whatever comes with like the season pass, it's $100. Um, I've got that pre-ordered and I'm excited for it to get in the mail and get out here. I'm currently replaying through 10 since it's been a while and finding that I'm utter garbage for having taken off such a long time of playing Mortal Kombat. Uh, but I'm just replaying through the story to kind of get refreshed on everything that has happened uh, since since that game. So I'm very excited for it. But we're also getting a double whammy week. I mean, we're getting Days Gone on Friday that week. And I am excited for that one as well. It's going to looks like it's going to be a great kind of, I think it's open world, um, kind of zombie uh, shooter, third-person shooter, kind of in the vein of The Last of Us, um, which is another fantastic game. Um, so I've got a lot of hype for that as well. And I'm very excited for these two video games. My bank account's not excited for these two video games, but uh, I am very excited for them, uh, and I will definitely be talking about them on, about them on the future episodes of the podcast. So I really look forward to next week and getting these games and playing them and, and talking about them because they're gonna they're gonna be great. I, I mean, they can even come out with really crappy reviews, and I'm probably still going to enjoy them. And um, Finally, with, with revisiting Borderlands, the, the remastered Game of the Year edition, uh, I don't remember it if Pat and I had said this in the last episode that we recorded together. Um, Pat has always... What's really funny is Pat was the one who got me back into playing Borderlands back when it originally released on the PS3. I had gotten kind of stuck in near the beginning, and that was purely my own stupidity. I was trying to do a mission that I was not leveled up for, wasn't aware of other side missions that would help you get to the level that you needed to get up to. And so I uh, had kind of put it away for a while. 
and then he had gotten it and he wanted to co-op on it so we co-op for a while and I was like oh I'm actually really digging this game I like its style I like its comedy I like the you know the guns that they have on it and kind of all the and, and Claptrap even even when I had played it the first time Claptrap I had fallen in love with immediately uh, and so then I had picked up you know Borderlands 2 and Borderlands pre-sequel and then I got the Handsome Jack collection um, when it came out for PS4 and so I've always kind of really loved the game. I even played the uh, Telltale's game, uh, you know, Tales from the Borderlands, which I really enjoyed. And so I was really happy when they announced Borderlands 3 that they were releasing the remaster for Borderlands, because it always kind of bugged me that we had in the Handsome Collection, uh, or Handsome Jack Collection, we had Borderlands 2 and Borderlands pre-sequel remastered, but we never, but it didn't come with Borderlands 1 didn't make sense to me other than they just didn't want to put in the effort to kind of do what they needed to do to get it um you know released but uh it always kind of bugged me so i didn't really play a whole lot replay a whole lot of uh, the handsome jack collection because it was like i really wanted to go through back through one and and then play through two and then pre-sequel and so um i downloaded it and and uh, installed it and, and I was replaying it earlier this week and a little bit of last weekend and I'm loving it. I fell into the same trap again with that mission uh, of just getting brutally murdered by a leveled up uh, character and just being like, man, man, what's going on? Why can't I do this? This is telling me this is this level and I'm that level. And then I was like, oh yeah, there's side missions. Duh. Uh, so it's kind of funny. I ran into that same trap two times, but the the kind of update of it looks great and i mean it plays well uh the guns are fantastic the the upgrades and the visuals i mean not that it's too upgraded because it's like it's kind of hand-drawn comic book-esque uh artistic style uh it still looks great it still looks gorgeous um there was some issue i had with some tearing um when when starting out but i didn't notice it the last time i was playing everything kind of seemed like it was flowing and uh, i didn't have any issues so i've been very happy revisiting that video game and we'll get many more hours of enjoyment from it um so that is i think going to do it for the um for the gaming portion uh, of the show uh, this might end up being a little bit of a shorter episode. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say about Hellboy and um, uh, this other film that I'm going to review here uh, next up. Um, so I know you know most of my episodes are about an hour long, a little bit over an hour long, and uh, I know it it's easier to get to that range when I have co-hosts and and when um when I'm definitely on a rant tear. And since I kind of waited a while to do the Hellboy um, review, it may not be 100% up to snuff on, on all that I really want to talk about. Uh, if Cortland is on next weekend or when I have him on next, he wants to discuss it, we can have a, a bigger discussion on that. Uh, but Hellboy we're going to talk about last. We're going to talk about this interesting found footage that I found on Amazon Prime called Raised by Wolves. And the interesting thing about this is this this movie has been out for a while i mean it was re released in 2014 or at least it was made in 2014 i don't know exactly when it was released and it was um written by michael altieri and a couple other people worked on this on the story with him and he directed it as well or mitchell sorry mitchell altieri not michael um sorry about that mitchell and um the basic premise of it is um 
When a group of friends come across an abandoned house in the barren desert, what follows is a terrifying tale of evil possession causing the friends to slowly turn against each other. And, um, you know, it's what's weird is that it's, it follows a bunch of skateboarders. And, uh, you know, I was never a skateboarder. I never kind of got the idea or got the point of, of skateboarding. But what I find most interesting about this film and would love this kind of subgenre of horror um, to be uh, explored more in, in, the, in the horror uh, scene is Native American horror. Um, because I, I believe that out of the group of friends, only two of the kids are um, Caucasian, white. Uh, the rest all live on a reservation. But you don't really get to see the reservation, um, or they make a lot of these certain comments about, oh, we live on the res, or you know, you guys have got it plush in your life. And I know that living on a reservation is um, is not always the greatest. Uh, I know conditions can be bad, uh, or you know, it's not it's not like living in a normal community or anything like that. Um, so. Uh, I would have liked to have kind of seen more about that or have them talk more about that. That kind of aspect, it gets like left to the side more, just kind of in passing comments. But um, the main characters are skateboarders and they've kind of get chased out by uh, the local authorities from their kind of normal um, place that they like the, the board a lot. And um, they, uh, they, are kind of ruminating they're hanging out at one of their friends houses it's it's the guys and girls you know and they're you know the girls are some of the guys girlfriends and whatnot and um that one of the kids brings up the fact that there's this old abandoned house and someone told him that there was an empty pool out there and uh but it was the site of kind of a jonestown massacre type thing where uh you had this guy um can't remember his first name but his last name was plain song and he had kind of created this kind of uh cult out out this house out in this land and they uh, murdered a whole bunch of people and there was like one survivor and uh, at the very beginning of the movie they're interviewing the survivor and this the that event takes place in like the 1970s and they um she you know basically says well he taught us how to see demons and we were murdering demons not people and so it was really interesting to see uh where the rest of the film goes with that but so it's been abandoned all this time no one goes out there no one stays out there no one lives out there um and they figure it's out in the middle of the desert and there's going to be no cops so they can you know board there all they want they um so they get a van they drive out there and one of the kids i, I believe his name is joey is kind of the the alpha male like he's no one messes with him uh even some of the kids that you know their friends are, are a little bit afraid of him and he kind of is does the cocky thing where he like insults uh plain songs spirit and is like oh if you're real you know come on come get me i ain't scared of you and it kind of seems to be where things uh, get provoked um so I don't want to go uh, too into detail about about the story, but uh, it, it, I thought it was really interesting. There were some 
not so great effects, and then there were some really decent effects. Um, I thought all the kids were fine. Uh, you know, they there wasn't really any bad acting. I think there was some bad dialogue, uh, and there were some bad choices by some of the characters. Uh, that's stuff that didn't quite make sense. Like, um, and there might have been some things I missed in the initial watching of it, but uh, if I haven't said it already, I love found footage films. I love because I love them because it puts you within, you know, you're like you're there. It puts you with with those characters and what you're experiencing. You're experiencing in real time with those characters. Um, I know a lot of people are not fans of uh, the found footage. Um, genre and I, I understand why there's a lot of shaky cam there's a lot of stuff that you know doesn't quite go uh, smoothly like it does with a normal uh, normally filmed horror film um, but you know it, it leaves a little bit more to the imagination and I would say the primary issue with this movie in particular is not so much the camera work or even the special effects work, or even the acting. Uh, it's it's the story, and the story just does not give you enough payoff. It does great to set up prior events, and it does a great job of kind of explaining certain things of what's happening and what's going on. But at the, at the finale, at the climax, you're still wondering, well, what was what was the purpose or what was the purpose of the massacre in the seventies? Uh, you know, did it lead to this or, you know, it just, it, it gets a little confused. It gets a little muddled, but, uh, I was still very impressed by it. And that's why I'm kind of a little disappointed that it's got a little bit of a low rating on, on IMDb and, um, and from what you can see, like on Amazon prime, I believe it shows like two stars. I mean, granted only five people have reviewed it, uh, on, on there, but, um, I, I, it takes a kind of not explored, not to say that Native American culture has not been explored in certain horror films like uh, Poltergeist 2, uh, Children of the Corn 2, uh, those are two that come to mind uh, more, but uh, it's not prevalent, it's not at the forefront, and I think that there's a lot of mythology within the Native American culture uh, stuff like the Wendigo. I mean, we all know about the Wendigo, and that comes from Native American folklore and, and mythology. And I know that there's more to it than just the Wendigo. I mean, I know that there's just these legends and these myths that they've passed down. I mean, one of the things that Native American tradition is most known for is storytelling. And uh, I think it would be really cool to start seeing and start exploring more of the mythos or more folklore from Native American culture in horror. I mean, I think that there's plenty of content there, and quite frankly, it's not um, saturated or oversaturated right now in the market. And I think if you have some really talented filmmakers that can bring together some of these stories, uh, it would be really great. Like, uh, you know, currently in theaters this week is, and I'm going to say it wrong because I'm awful in Spanish, but Curse of La Llorana, I, I know I'm saying it wrong. I know you're supposed to say it with like a Y sound, but I'm not doing the right Y sound. Uh, the current horror film that I guess is tangentially connected to the Conjuring universe, uh, it's exploring, you know, uh, Mexican folklore uh, with, the, with the Weeping Woman, that's what the title stands for. 
Um, but it's but that's a story that has been kind of told, and I know that there have been other a multitude of other movies focusing on that particular myth or legend, and um, so maybe we can get a chance to see more films that focus on Native American folklore and, and mythology and explore kind of these un, more unknown uh, territories. And I think it would be really cool and kind of a nice little boon to the, uh, to the horror market. Um, so uh, as for a review score of um, Raised by Wolves, I'm gonna, I'm going to go on a, um, a uh, three out of five. I think a three out of five is respectable. It's got some issues, uh, primarily with the story, um, but I think that there's good character development for most of the characters. Um, there needed to be it needed to be longer. It runs about an hour and nineteen minutes. I would have liked to have seen it to be more about an hour and a half and about or an hour and forty. Uh, just to build more of the backstory and flesh out a little bit more of kind of what's going on in the supernatural aspect of things. Um, you know, I would have also liked maybe if they didn't just had if they didn't just stay in the one location for most of the film. And I know that there's financial reasons, budgetary constraints. Probably it was best uh, fit their budget to be able to stay in just one shoot location. Uh, and, and do what they need to do, but it would be kind of cool to kind of see a little bit more variety in the locale and maybe them doing more research into what happened at, at the house. Like, if I were writing this movie or if I, I was in the room, I maybe would have suggested that, okay, when the kids get there, they invoke the spirit, one of the kids disappears, and they can't find them they call the cops well since they're near or on the reservation local pd is not going to do anything about it because they don't obviously with with what's set up within the movies you know the kids say no one cares about what happens to the the kids or the people living on the reservation and so then they do more research and background and they maybe find the little video that plays at the beginning of the movie where the survivor is giving her testimony uh to a cop and then, then them going back and then having the rest of the events happen. Um, that's how maybe I would have approached it if um, I was working on this movie. But again, they still put together a decent horror film, in my opinion. Uh, so I, I can't fault them for that. Maybe that's something they look at if, if they're able to get any type of budget for doing a sequel. Maybe then those are some more elements that they can explore more. Uh, but I would really like to see kind of more of this Native American ex exploration of horror. Um, so I think that's going to do it for my review of Raised by Wolves. Um, check it out. It's on Amazon Prime streaming free. Uh, so even if you dislike the movie, you're only really wasting an hour and 20 minutes of your time. Although I don't personally think you're wasting time. But you're not wasting any money on it if you don't like it. Um, so, all right. Now we're going to talk about Hellboy 2019. Uh, with David Harbour and Mila Jovovich, or however you say her last name, who I, I love in the Resident Evil movies. The Resident Evil movies are objectively not good movies, but I love them anyways. Uh, they are inconsistent, they contradict each other, um, but I love them. They are fun, turn-your-brain-off movies, and that's kind of where Hellboy 2019 falls for me. Um, 
I think David Harbour is fine as Hellboy, uh, although at times with the, uh, the prosthetics he has in his mouth for his teeth, it gets a little hard to hear him. But before I, I, I dive into that, let me uh, go through the basic premise of the movie, if you're not already aware. Um, but this is based on the graphic novel by Mike Mignoia. Hellboy caught between worlds of supernatural and human beings battles an ancient sorceress bent on revenge. Um, and that's very, very broad for a synopsis of it. Um, but basically you have this witch who was around during Arthurian times and she was going to um, kind of take over the world and let the, the supernatural slash demonic creatures kind of rule the world. She was tired of them hiding and being murdered. And King Arthur is the one who kind of puts the stop to it. Uh, he can't actually kill her, but he manages to uh, separate her body into, I believe, five separate pieces or six separate pieces. Let's see, torso, arms, legs, head. Um, and anyways, kind of takes them to the far corners of the known of the known world and have them buried and so on. And she can only be resurrected if her body's reunited. Which, of course, without spoiling... I mean, it's not spoilers, it's within the trailer. She gets brought back, and she kind of continues the work that she had tried to do all those years ago. Um, and Hellboy kind of trying to find his place where he fits within the world, and whether or not he's a good guy or he's a bad guy. And that's where this movie kind of really fails for me. Um, and becomes a hot mess. So... In the context of the film, or within the world of the film, Hellboy has been around for 10 years. Enough so that people aren't so surprised by seeing him. I mean, when he reveals his face at the very beginning of the movie, down in Mexico, no one really bats an eye. And um, so I find that odd. And his relationship with his father, I like Ian McShane, but I don't know if I would have had him as Professor Broom, uh, because he... It, it doesn't quite work. They don't do the father-son dynamic as well as John Hurt and Ron Perlman did. And I, it's hard not to compare this to the uh, Guillermo del Toro films. Um, and I, I tried to go into the movie without keeping those in mind, but it just does not work when, when watching it. Uh, it. Or at least for me, I had a hard time really separating the two, the two worlds, the two movies. Um, and I don't think that they really set up the father-son relationship well. Uh, and so he's been around for 10, 20 years uh, in the public eye. And yet he doesn't know if he's good or bad. Like he, he's, I mean, not that he questions his, his own morality or his own kind of virtue, but he just doesn't understand what his part in the world is. And he... It feels like he's not welcome, but yet people know about him and they don't really kind of shy away from him. It, it just felt weird. It, it, and the other part of the problem with this film is, and, and if you saw my tweet about the movie, is it struggles under its own weight. It's very ambitious. It is trying to set itself apart from the Del Toro movies. It's trying to be its own thing. It's trying to do a lot of stuff in one two-hour movie and that's where it suffers it it does have not so great cgi 
but it also has some good CGI and it has some real good practical effects. Um, certain character look changes that they made, primarily with, um, I don't remember the character's name, I'm not as familiar with the comics as most people might be, but he was kind of the clockwork person, he would always kind of turn his gears in the first Hellboy movie. You see him in a flashback, and it looks weird. Like, it's... Because they wanted to differentiate the design. They didn't want to go with the same design from the Del Toro movie. But the design they went with just... It, it didn't work for me. Uh, and that's... A lot of the aesthetic changes that they made... Like, with Hellboy's makeup... Like, I did like that first image we got released of Harbor as um, Hellboy... But within, when watching it in the movie, it just didn't quite work. Like, they went more with the Hellbeast look. Like, he's got hair. It looks more like he's kind of, like, part goat, like, with Baphomet. Um, you know, but it, it just didn't, it didn't quite work. Like, it didn't, it didn't feel as smooth as Pearlman's makeup for Del Toro. And again, I don't want to just keep comparing the two movies, but it's really hard not to. Um... So, really, like, you get a lot of exposition, and I'm not one who really hates on exposition. You get flashbacks. A lot of people have complained about the flashbacks within this film. I didn't mind them. They felt organic. They, they did enough exposition to catch the audience up on the sequence and these characters. So I really didn't mind them. Yes, there are a few of them, but they didn't really bug me a whole lot. But that's also where it does suffer, too, because it spends a lot of its time explaining everything within the world. You've got a lot of characters introduced. You've got the world introduced. You've got Baba Yaga that gets introduced. You've got the uh, Nimue introduced. And so it's, it's, it's got too much going on. And, and it needed to kind of tighten it up a little bit, streamline it, cut some of the extra extraneous stuff out, or even maybe save it for a later sequence. I mean, you kind of get something with Daniel Day, Kim's character, uh, you get stuff hinted at, and then it does a, an exposition scene, and you're like, oh, okay, I know what's going on here. And then it's revealed later. Now, what I would have prefer preferred that it, they had done was, have you still questioned what's going on? and then have what happens happen and then have his character explain to the other characters hey this is what this is why this happened i think that would have been a little bit better way it would have been a little bit more of a surprise for the audience um so that's ultimately where it struggles where it succeeds uh harbor's performance is good the the writing is not so good but but his performance is good the the side characters performances are good even though Ian McShane as Dr. Broom or Professor Broom uh even though it didn't work for me as much as John Hurt's performance he still performs well in the movie I mean Ian McShane is a very talented actor I like him in about everything I see him in um so performance why Mila Jovovich's performance this is the first movie I've seen her in where I did not really like her uh, performance. She, especially at the very opening scene, and you'll know what I'm talking about when you're when you watch it. She overacts way too much, and I know she kind of has to do that, and or has done that in other movies she's been in. But it's it's felt at least organic, or it's worked, or it's not seemed so bad. Um, 
But there were a few times in this movie where her performance was like, oh, oh, that's bad. That's bad. And and I don't know why she made those choices. Maybe it's because she was doing an accent. I don't, I don't know. Um, and so, uh, and, and also to mention this was directed by Neil Marshall. I love Neil Marshall's work. I love Doomsday. I love Dog Soldiers. I love, um, oh, what's, what's, what's escaping my mind? I believe he did Centurion. Um, you know, he, I love his stuff. Oh, The Descent. Why am I, why did I miss that? Uh, The Descent, which is also another fantastic movie. I believe he did The Descent. Uh, don't come at me if I'm wrong. Uh, I will probably check it after the show, but, um, you know, he's, he's a director that has earned a lot of respect from me and with his past works, regardless if I got a few of them wrong. Um, I don't feel like this was necessarily all his fault. Um, because really the film looks great i mean it's competently shot but you you're you're jumping from there are almost like three different storylines going on in this movie and that's where where it really struggles it's got too much going on and they needed to just go okay we're going to tell this story and we're going to go it through we can leave these things off for sequels and it does build up for a sequel it does have two after credit scenes um the last credit scene is not so shocking like it, it it sets up for another movie but it doesn't do a reveal that like would give me go oh my god i need to see a sequel i need to see a sequel so um that fails the the, the mid credit scene's just funny like like a marvel movie it has a funny you know credit scene and then it has a serious credit scene and the funny scene was was kind of funny but that also is one final problem I want to bring up about the movie, is the humor. The humor falls flat, ultimately, for me. Cortland and I talked about this after we got out of the film. He had a couple moments that he chuckled, but a lot of, 95% of the film, the humor didn't fall for either one of us. It just, it wasn't cringeworthy, we just didn't find it funny. It just, the maybe it was way lines were delivered or maybe it was the way things were written it just didn't elicit any type of chuckles or laughs um now what a lot of this movie does right like i said certain performances are really great it does the gore this is definitely an r-rated movie it does not shy back and i think that's one of the glowing parts that i can say about this film is the gore is fantastic it is ludicrous it is nuts it is all over the place there's a scene particularly towards the end where it's just all over the screen i mean it is happening it's it's not the bloodiest movie you've seen i think that kind of falls to evil dead's final scene uh the evil dead remake but um it's great it's it's fantastic so i think as for a a review score I think I'm going to have to go with 3 out of 5 on this as well. Um, it's not a complete failure in my opinion, but it's not. it was a little bit of a misstep. I, I, I almost would have rather they had spent a whole other year kind of working and fine-tuning this movie. Um, I wish that they would have left things off for, for a sequel. Like certain aspects of what they did in this movie, I would have preferred that they put in a sequel or saved for a sequel. Like, let us get more uh, of... An exposition of Alice's character, or uh, uh, I, I can't remember his name right now, but Daniel Day Kim's character, we could have saved some of that off for later films. 
uh, or even just even talking about uh, Hellboy's backstory because they do flash back to that, and I thought it was very fun um, that they kind of reshowed that scene. But uh, at the same time, like I didn't need to see it. I knew enough about it. We could have just said, "Oh yeah, this is what happened," but we had to revisit that whole scene again, and it just um, it, it just didn't fire on all cylinders but it i probably pick it up i mean i enjoyed it enough that i can put it on on the background and kind of have play if i have friends over i'd show it to them you know it's it, it's not something that i i could say i can't, can't ever see myself watching again so um you know i it's it didn't do everything i wanted it to do but maybe if it i, I don't know how well it did in the box office i, I don't think it did great i think this was a, a a flop in the in the box office so i doubt a sequel will get made anytime soon which is a shame um because there were there were moments there were moments where you could see okay this is what i like this is what i want to see more of and if they could have gotten past this first movie and gotten greenlit for a sequel maybe we could have you know moved on and done some things that would have been more uh likable in the future so um i did say that this was going to be a little bit shorter episode of critics not cynics and i think that that's going to do it for us tonight uh there are plenty of other things i do want to talk about but i think i'm going to save them for for future episodes um but uh yeah that's it i think that's gonna do it for for this week and uh i hope you don't mind the, sh the shorter episode but uh i just didn't have a whole lot that more i wanted to say about certain things and, and like i said maybe if i had done the episode last week uh it would have been a little bit longer i would have had more to say uh because it was the movie would have been more fresh in my mind it's now been a week since since seeing it in theaters um but you know if you got if you got out and you saw it why don't you send me an email at critics.cynics at gmail.com uh tell me what you thought or comment here on soundcloud tell me what you thought of the film if you think i'm wrong I've, tell me uh you know i i will gladly uh bring up your points uh on on a future episode of the podcast and uh and you know kind of debate it out and like i said we might revisit it when Cortland's here uh to record in studio and uh, possibly when Pat's back. Pat's currently uh, in Ireland right now. Uh, I told him to make sure if he saw uh, the Leprechaun from the Leprechaun movies that he needed to stay clear away. Otherwise, it won't end so well for him. Uh, and so maybe once he's back in the States and he's had a chance to see it, maybe we'll do kind of like an us discussion where we kind of do a roundtable and kind of talk about things we like things we didn't like uh maybe maybe he enjoys it more than Cortland and i did it I, I i did i don't know so um you know we'll save that for a future episode and we'll see you guys again next week all right guys 